Guys, what is going on? I completely butchered that. What is going on? Welcome back to the Arsenio Bug Show. Man, we're here. We are live. I don't know what the hell is going on this morning, but man, I think about five words wanted to come out at the same time. Guys, we're getting back into the behavior number 11. Guys, listening first. You know what? The impact on speed and cost is what I'm going to cover first, and then we're going to talk about making deposits. And then I'm going to talk about my suit shop that relates to this just so much. But you know what? We're here. We're live. It's just shy of 8 a.m. in the morning, and you know what? It's time to talk about some more, and I mean some more listening first. A lot of people and a lot of executives, a lot of people of higher positions would say that listening first is inefficient and that it takes too much time. But you know what? I mean, what I've been through on so many different occasions, people lose their best employees because they let their ego get in the way because they don't want to listen first. See, some people would say, why even elevate one specific rule compared to the other practices that eight executives had outlined at the time in Stephen Covey's, I guess you could say, services that uh, enabled them to be very, very good. But he said, you know what? Why are you putting so much emphasis on listening first and speaking last? He said, because when you listen first, you get the insight and the understanding. You see what I mean? You make better decisions and you also show respect. So you give people that psychological air. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. Listening first doesn't mean the counterfeit of listening. So what do I mean by that? Well, <coughs> excuse me. What do I mean by that? It's, it's simply sitting there, listening, 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 but you already have in your mind what you want to say. And you don't give a damn what the other person is saying at that time. Remember I told you about that teacher by the name of Harry. I remember he told me, he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, these students have – they didn't – you know, uh, they don't have the – oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, the renewal. The renewal of courses, right? So here I am. He's saying, oh, well, you know what? Looking at the numbers and looking at the statistics, which are all bullshit in terms of English language learning. But he's like, a lot of your students aren't renewing. And I'm like, okay, that is the most bullshit statistic ever. Let me give you an example. Techapan, okay, he just recently added me on LinkedIn, okay? He went to San Francisco University after he achieved the IELTS score. And I said, okay, do you want to go over some of this? Let's talk about the IELTS class first. Techapan went to America. He was just shaking his head. Harry, Harry, at the time, he was shaking his head. He didn't want to hear that. And it's funny because now I have the results. He graduated from the University of San Francisco, But Harry at the time didn't really care. I was like, he got the IELTS score. He's like, no, no. But he didn't renew. Motherfucker, how's he going to renew when he wants to go to America? You idiot. And this is the problem with these types of managements because they just don't want to hear the younger ones, the people who are probably a third of their age, a fourth of their age, a fifth of their age. You know what? That man could have been 150 years old, probably could have been lying the entire time. They would say, oh, he's only 60. Bullshit. That guy looks at least 95. All right. So anyways, let's get let's, let's let's focus again. I was like, yeah, this girl right here, yeah, she ended up going to do it, you know, she got her score. She got a 7, but you guys don't want to talk about that, huh? Told him that. He's just like, Ugh. he was just ignoring everything. Everything I said, he just completely he continued to try to backlash. He he kept saying, "No, no, 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 no." It didn't matter what I said. I was like, yeah, this student right here, she went to America. This student right here went to England. This student right here went to Australia. What are you talking about with renewals? Oh, 
And it's funny because I'm like, okay, so my renewals are at 25%. Upham, who seems to be your best IELTS teacher, is at 4%. So why aren't you talking about him? He's like, oh, well, he teaches IELTS students, and I don't. Oh, my God. Like the, the And the thing is, I realize, like, okay, everything I'm saying, he's completely trying to justify why. Not only that, but I have the same IELTS students that Upham has. He has a lower renewal rate, but me, my renewal rate is higher, but he's actually coming after me. Chris, who had a lower renewal rate, he didn't bring him up. This guy's from the Netherlands. He's a horrible teacher. And let me give you a reason why he's a horrible teacher. One of the students who paid an insane amount of money walked out of his class crying because he was too strict. And you know what? Harry didn't say a goddamn thing to him. Now, did I ever have a student walk out of class? You see what I mean? You see the bureaucracy that I had to deal with? And this is why I ended up taking a step back and said, man, this place is garbage. Y'all don't need me. Pachtuntani, this is full of old hags, wife tourists who came here to get slaves and marry slaves so they could clean up after them and wipe their ass when they wake up in the morning. Oh, baby, I'm unleashing right now. I'm just trying to say, because you know what? I ended up coming across one of those Ugandan warrior teachers, yes, two days ago. And I said, man, I am so sorry the way they handled you because they handled me the same way. He said, what do you mean by that? I said, well, yeah, I ended up quitting. But look what ended up happening. He's like, listen, they don't give me work. But they have a lot of teachers coming in and out, in and out, in and out. And that teacher at that Christmas party ended up coming to him and saying, you know what? We really, we're going to see how the new year is. We're going to try to give you work. There is work, but you're giving it to other teachers. They fired a few teachers because, again, these teachers are trying to have sex with underage girls. It's ridiculous what I see out here. See, guys, the bureaucracy of being white in this country. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You know what Martin Lorton said in his stand-up, you know, The Martin Show? I don't know if you guys, you know, heard of it, heard of it or anything, but... <laughs> He had a joke. I think it was on the second episode. And in Detroit, if you're a specific color in the, you know, in Detroit, the city of Detroit, you can call. But if you sound a particular color, they will respond to you quicker. So Martin said, no, 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 I have to sound white. And he was like, hey, uh, John, yeah, you know what? I just had a break in. There's a guy in my apartment right now. And he was trying to sound white rather than black. And then the cops ended up asking them questions about Barry Manilow. It was the funniest thing ever. And one thing he said, he was like, oh, nothing means better. You know, waking up, what is it? Nothing, something about being bright. Uh, my day is lighter because I wake up white. Something really, really funny. Guys, I could send that to you. And you know what? That's just a bureaucracy. All right? That's just how it is. That's what the dying paradigm is what Michael Bernard Beckwith would say it is. But that's not what it is. It's a fake reality. That's why I left. That's why I continue to leave places like, well, you know what? I just don't, I'm not around that anymore. But you know what? I kind of have to relate it in my podcast because guess what? It's what I've been through. You see what I mean? I could just say rah, 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 like, you know, Tom Billy says on stage, no offense to him, and say, yeah, yeah, you just have to be the hardest worker in work ethic, and that's all bullshit, because I know hard workers, and they work at Walmart. I was a hard worker at one time, making six funky-ass dollars an hour, lifting furniture that weighed three times more than I did at a place called Court Trade Show. I quit that goddamn job. Why? Because I'm not a slave. I have not been put on this planet to move furniture around. That's a job that autonomy is going to take. I already knew the answers. Back in the summer of 2006, during the uh, what, 2006 World Cup, see guys, I knew everything back then. 
I had that awareness, but a lot of you don't. And you know what I tried telling and communicating across to that individual by the name of Oliver at the time, who's crazy cuckoo, all right? And just so happened to be my mother's boyfriend. <laughs> just so happened to be my mother's boyfriend. I tried communicating across him and say, hey, you know what? This job ain't for me. I am not here to just pick up a bunch of goddamn buckets of paint and furniture and move them into trucks over and over and over and have only a 30-minute break and, uh, and, you know, be around all these horny-ass weird men who are at in midlife crisis. I am not doing this. I'm sorry. I quit in two days. I don't need that goddamn money. And it's funny because he's like, oh, yeah, it takes a certain type of man to lift all this furniture. I can, you can have whatever, you can paint whatever picture you want, you son of a... Mm. But guess what? You're going to be working for me. Hey, and you know what? He's been thrown under the bus at his job by another African-American saying, yeah, I don't trust Oliver. And he's like, what? We've been friends for more than 15 years. We've been working for more than 20 years together. Are you serious? You see what I mean, guys? I'm just trying to say companies have their problems, but they just don't want to listen. Managers don't want to listen. Bosses don't want to listen. People don't want to listen in general. They want to speak first rather than speaking last. See, smart leaders, smart leaders, they recognize the power of listening first. Lee Kuan Yew, right? Big shout out to my Singaporeans. He, look what he did to Singapore. He broke away as a sovereign nation, right? Back in the early 1960s. Don't really give a damn about anything, you know, politics. But he broke away from Malaysia. And look at that magnificent country he's created. People would say, oh, well, you know, the the money doesn't add up and this and that. Well, yeah, that's what. Listen, if you're a worker, university only creates workers. You need to think bigger to make more money. If you're working and spending all your time on a job, Nine times out of ten, you're not making any goddamn money. I'm just trying to keep it real with all of you out there. So again, he, yes, he listened. And guess what? He ended up creating the most efficient airport, the most efficient airline, the most efficient transportation system, the most efficient country in the world. Why? Because he listened first. It was like the coworkers, the internal customers, everything. And guess what? If he didn't do that, he would end up cheating not only himself, but everyone else. Out of all the information, feedback, and everything, the collaborations that he ended up... The global economy, look what Singapore is right now. And people would say, oh, well, it's too restrictive and this and that. I remember the guy, well, who is that? Oh, I'm going I'm going way off on a rant today. I'm too... I Just thousands of apologies. Who's that asshole, Lonely Planet? That asshole that created that, the author. Oh, my God, he did a TEDx recently in Singapore. And he was berating Singapore, saying, oh, you guys are this and that. And I'm like, it's always a Londoner. It's always a Brit that's saying, oh, you're just not good enough. But look what's going on out there in England. Are you serious? Oh, my God. So you got to just take two steps back. You need to be able to listen. Guys, look at the society you're in right now. And what could you be grateful for right now if you're not happy at your job? Well, guess what? You probably have a shitty-ass leader, such as when I had a shitty-ass lead. Well, he wasn't really a leader. He was just, he's a wife tourist. I'm not going to consider anyone to be a wife tourist a leader, okay? A boss or anything. Guess what? Work was great when the new, when the Kiwi, all right, guy from New Zealand, was at the helm. Brit took over. Shit went to shit. Shit went to shit on top of piles of shit. You understand what I'm saying? But people... They have just too much. Oh, my God. They have too much of that uh, that ego saying, no, no, but I know what I'm doing. I was in business for 20 years. And guess what? When you were in business back in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, it was bullshit then. 
Because guess what? You looked at business from a white color, a white standpoint. That shit doesn't work anymore. This is why people are giving millennials such a bad rap because they don't give a damn about what the Gen X and the Gen Bs and the baby boomers and the Gen, the Gen, who the Gen As, the people over the ages of 80, they don't give a damn what they got to say about life anymore because what? What they think about life is a dying paradigm. I'm just trying to tell you. I wouldn't listen to a goddamn thing Bill Gates has to say just like I don't listen to a goddamn thing Warren Buffett has to say. Why? Because Warren Buffett is looking after the pockets of his stakeholders rather than the pockets of of every other individual on this planet. That's why he was so angry when Bitcoin was emerging. He was like, it's such a fallacy in this and that. Now, yes, Bitcoin is really quiet right now, but guess what? Again, leaders, oh my God, leaders lead. All right. Once they start blaming and they start saying this and that without any real evidence, I call them out on their bullshit. I don't believe in mutual funds. I'm listening. I'm more with the Robert Kiyosaki. He tells me what I have to invest in. That's why he's the GOAT. So guys, making deposits. You cannot make deposits onto the conscious or the con- the consciousness of people in the world when you're over here blaming Bitcoin. I don't believe the Warren, but I don't believe the Jeff Bezos. I don't believe that. I don't believe any of that. Why? Because well, guess what? Do they make deposits? No. See, one of the huge benefits of listening first is you know what? This is how you build trust. It helps you understand which behaviors make deposits in a particular trust account and which do not act in on this means understanding the results. And you know what? That's going to bring the greater speed that you need because you're speaking and behaving in the same language as the person with whom you're trying to build the account. Old suit shop. Win-lose situation for me. Win for him. Significant loss for me. Went into the place one day. There were two guys. All right. One guy's name is Rash. Love him. He's great. But you know what? He always pushed me. He pushed me. He pushed me for the lost situation. Of course, I lost money. Yes, I got the shirts. I got the pants. I got everything. Hell, I need to even go back and get all my stuff that I haven't paid for in two years. Yes, I will. I will in the near future. But because of his colleague and because his colleague tried jipping me that, that day, that April 2017 day, I never went back there. Why? Because... My bank account was overdrawn. I'm talking about my emotional bank account. He did not do what was in the best interest of I. He did what was in the best interest of him. And if you do that, you're going to lose. And you're going to lose over and over and over. And you're going to lose trust. You're going to create distrust. You're going to lose clients and customers. And that's why they lost me. Got it? I'm telling you, man. Making deposits is the most critical component. I'm going to read this last little bit, and I'm going to have you guys you know, just dissect everything that I just went on a rant with. Listening first means to listen for as well as to listen to. See, when you listen to customers, you're trying to listen for what matters most to them. When you listen to investors, you're listening for what's, more, more, for what's most important on their agenda, right? When you listen to coworkers, you're listening for what would engage their interest in creativity. An observer listening to conversations, okay, at the water cooler, would listen for discussions about how people behave, which would tell them or tell him or tell her even more about the company's culture than their mission or value statement. 
If you go into certain classrooms, if you go into the teacher's room, oh my God, and there are like five teachers in there, that lady, that Thai lady would always avoid it because why? She knows exactly what she is going to get. She she realizes what she's going to get, period, period. She's not going to get any value. She's going to understand the mission, the mission of them, but not, of course, what the company is in general. And so that's why there's such a disconnect in so many companies. Because you know what the coworkers are talking about over there at the water cooler. Oh my God, my student, this, that, uh, this. Or you know what? A, you know, a, a, let's say like a 20 year old girl or 18 year old girl walks in. You got these 50, 60, and 70 year olds saying, Ooh, I would love to do something naughty to them. You see what I mean? That's the, that's the culture of the company. And that's what they created. You know what? I'm just going to top this off. Finally. And perhaps most importantly, listening first means to listen to yourself, to your gut feelings, your inner voice before you decide, before you act. You know what? That's the most – there it is. I mean there it is. I listen to my gut feeling all the time. When I feel like something's not working, I question it. I'm working with this agency right now, and they're going to get me my visa and everything. But at the very beginning, she was like, hey, can you just pay 80% up front? And I was like, ooh, my gut is telling me no. I'm going to say, listen, I'm going to give you a deposit of 20%, all right? I'll give you the next 60% when we actually go to the place and I actually get the visa. When I see, yes, sir, here you go. Here's your non-B. Now you go get your work, man. You come back, da 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 blah. I'll give you the next. We have to build that trust. I don't know you. Yes, yes, yes. And then after that, she told me, hey, I've done two other work permits and visas for other people at your school. Okay, now if you would have told me that from the very beginning rather than asking me for a lump sum, we wouldn't be having this conversation. (sighs) Guys, I'm just going to go into these trust tips. I'm going to do it now because I think I hit some sweet spots with some of you out there. (sighs) Here we go. Generally, number one, as long as a person is communicating with high emotion, he or she does not yet feel understood. Number two, a person will usually not ask for your advice until he or she feels understood. To offer advice too early will usually only stir up more emotion or cause someone to simply ignore what you say. Now, think back. This is your bullet point. Think back over your interactions with others during the past week, both at work and at home, wherever you want to do it. Think of a time when you did or didn't listen first. What were the results? What would have been the results if you had behaved differently? Your bullet point number two, the next time you're in a conversation, stop and ask yourself, have I really listened to this other person? Do I really understand how he or she feels? If not, simply stop and do it. Set your own agenda aside and really focus on understanding the other person's point of view before you share your own goddamn point of view. And number three, in your company, in whatever you're in, whatever work you're engaged in, take proactive steps to understand the other stakeholders. I'm talking about both the internal and external. Don't get caught up in the illusion that you know everything or you have all the right answers. Set your ego aside. Consider what you can do to ensure others that you are listening to them and making an effort to meet their concerns and their needs. And I'm going to leave it with that. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another. Oh, yeah, it was a long one. Another The Arsenio Buck Show podcast. If you like to share it, if you shared it, that means you liked it. That means thank you so, so much. And, guys, stay tuned for more. I'm your host, Arsenio, as usual, over and out.